You are listening to News and Views, the Quinn's podcast series where we introduce you to some of the greatest minds across different fields through in-depth interviews. I'm Anushka, I cover health for the Quint and today we are going to be talking to Dr. Kanika Batra Modi, a gynecologic oncologist at Max Hospital Delhi, to know more about cervical cancer, its symptoms, screening and why despite being preventable, it's the second most common cancer among Indian women. You can check out episodes of News and Views and all other podcasts by the Quint on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. So it's a cold winter's day but we have braved the weather and we've come here to Max Hospital in Delhi because January is also Cervical Cancer Awareness Month so I thought this was a great time to um, meet you and have my questions answered. There's a lot of information floating around about cervical cancer especially the HPV vaccine so hopefully she'll help us break it all down today. Welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Modi. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much, Anushka. Pleasure to be here. Right. So um, jumping right in, cancer is something that people don't really like talking about, um, don't really like thinking about until someone they know or they themselves get diagnosed. Because of that, a lot of cancers that could be um, treated if it was diagnosed earlier, if it was detected earlier, go undetected because people don't go and get screened. Um, And as I understand, cervical cancer is one of those preventable cancers, which also happens to have one of the highest cancer deaths. I mean, deaths related to cancer come from approximately half of the people diagnosed with cervical cancer die of the disease. Because also a function of they get detected quite late when they are advanced. Right. And it is supposed to be a preventable cancer. It is. It is. So um, can you just to kick things off, tell us some things that you really want people to know about cervical cancer that uh, you've had to say, tell your patients or people, you know, Mm. come for consultation over and over again. Yeah. So firstly, uh, let's talk about what is cervical cancer, because a lot of times people have this confusion, what part gets involved exactly when cervical cancer happens. So cervix is the lower part of the uterus. So that cancer of the cervix is called cervical cancer and in terms of you know age groups that get affected by cervical cancer so it has a bimodal distribution so there are two age groups at which the incidence of cervical cancer kind of peaks one is around 40 45 and the other one is around at 65 but that doesn't mean that the other age groups do not get cervical cancer i've seen so many young women also in their 20s get advanced cervical cancer mm-hmm. so No age is immune, but this is how the frequency of the cancer at the population level runs. But apart from this, uh, what I would want to talk about cervical cancer is, you know, understanding how is it caused and then how do we prevent it? What are the risk factors involved and then how do we mitigate them so that we reduce our chances of developing cervical cancer? So in terms of, you know, development of cervical cancer, one of the most important risk factor is HPV virus infection. HPV is human papilloma virus. It is a DNA-based virus that, you know, occurs and it gets infested into the cervix and the vaginal area. And 90% of HPV infection cases, they clear out. So in those 10% also, about 1% or 2% of them, they developed precancerous lesions. Mm-hmm. So typically, only after the onset of sexual activity can one acquire HPV viral infection. Mm-hmm. So, like all the other sexually transmitted diseases, 
so is HPV. Mm-hmm. So something that you uh, said about how there is age groups that are more prone to it, but you have also seen um, younger patients coming in with um, cervical cancer. So there are other myths like this also. In, um, For instance, I've heard um, if you don't have penetrative sex, you won't get so cervical it's, cancer it's or HPV. So, yeah, essentially that's true. If you've not had penetrative sex, you wouldn't get cervical cancer. Okay. It so that's not a myth then? It is not a myth and uh, virgins don't get cervical cancer, usually, because over 95% of the cases of cervical cancer are associated with HPV, but the rest of the five can occur, 5% can occur. One is HPV. Then having a weakened immune system, whatsoever, you know, you're, suppose you're on some immunosuppressants because of some autoimmune disease you have, you have HIV or any of those other illnesses that reduce your immunity. That increases your chances of developing cervical cancer. Smoking, yes. Smoking increases your risk of developing cervical cancer because that reduces the clearance of HPV virus infection. That's what nicotine inside that does. Then apart from this, uh, the other risk factors are, you know, other sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia. They increase the chance of somebody having a co-infection with HPV having multiple sexual partners and uh, having multiple births. And what are these uh, symptoms or signs that one should really look out for? Yeah, so mostly asymptomatic, Mm. but advanced cases. They present with abnormal bleeding, abnormal foul-smelling discharge, and sometimes if it's too advanced, it causes back pain and those kinds of problems. Mm. But especially post-coital bleeding, especially Mm. like right after sex, if a woman has bleeding, these are early symptoms of cervical cancer right so you mentioned that it's asymptomatic so i guess the only kind of uh, sure shot way of detecting it earlier on would be screening right yeah so we can in fact you know uh, talking about that hpv virus infection so from the onset of hpv to the development of cervical cancer it takes about 10 to 15 years so we have that much time to pick it up as soon as a woman is sexually active you start screening keep doing the PAPs, keep doing HPV testing, keep it on a good screening, you wouldn't develop it. We have ways to deal with the precancerous lesions. So is there like a specific age you should start screening or is it just whenever you start becoming sexually active? So basically, yeah, uh, ideally whenever you become sexually active, even if you're 15 for that matter, one needs to get screened. But the international guidelines, what they say is from the age of 21. Okay. And is there a frequency that is recommended? Yeah. So from the age of 21 to 30, only pap smear needs to be done every three yearly. Whereas after the age of 30, HPV virus detection also needs to be done alongside of pap smear. And if the previous three reports are normal, we can increase the frequency to five yearly. Okay. So the HPV detection test, how is that kind of different from pap smear and why is that uh, It's It's the same test. Like, you know, we do the same procedure. It's just a perspeculum examination and uh, one just takes a swab test. And in that only we send, now we do liquid based cytology. These are called LBCs. Paps, mm-hmm. it's much better than paps mm-hmm. per se, but it's the same test. So LBC and HPV testing, they're done together. It's just like a, you know, swab that goes inside your vagina and it's taken out. That's it. No pain, nothing. And nowadays we have very effective ways of doing a self-sampling. So if you're being too lazy about going to somebody to get yourself tested, order in a test at home, do it yourself and just, you know, Mm. take some action. 
And I also kind of want to go back to statistics a little bit. I have some numbers here. So India has the highest number of cervical cancer cases in Asia and uh, 21% of the total cases uh, in 2020 in the world were from India and 23% of deaths were from India as well. So, uh, I mean, is there an explanation for this? Why why is India um, so high up? when it comes to incidents as well as deaths yeah. related to... So, you know, going back to the risk factors that I spoke to you about, so HPV hap- when infection happens globally, but the screening is so poor mm-hmm. in our country. The vaccine uptake is so poor in our country that we have such a high incidence still. And women, because of the cultural norms that are there, they're too shy to, you know, mm-hmm. go out, even when they have symptoms. So all all these things add to the whole conglomerate. But, you know... Yeah, I was just coming to that. I mean, there's such a taboo also around going and getting tested itself um, that, you know, people are shy. They don't really want to go to the gynecologist until something is really wrong. Yeah. Um, So that could really kind of set back. (laughs) Yeah. So, So it's our responsibility in the society to kind of make this a norm and not something unusual and the more we talk about it and you know it's it's not even to women we have to talk about this to men as well mm-hmm. they are the ones who are going to push the women in their house to go get screened and speaking of uh, preventative measures, uh, we have the HPV vaccine, of course. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the age when you should be getting this vaccine? Because earlier it was said that you should get it by the time you're 14, I think 11 to 14, something like that. And now the age has been extended. So till what age can you really get the vaccine? Yeah. So to break your question into two, when to start the vaccination, you start it by 9 or 11 years. That's the best age to start it at before a woman is sexually active. And you give two shots of that at that age if a woman is less than 15 years. Over the age of 15, three shots are recommended. Then till what age is a big question because it's it's most effective, over 90% effective if a woman is not sexually active. But these are all population-based studies. For an individual, like if you look at the Indian guidelines, the FOXI guidelines, they recommend it to the age of 45 as well. So because there are different strains of HPV, the latest vaccine that we have is a nonavalent vaccine that is available. Means it is active against nine strains of HPV virus, which is one of the best ones available globally, the maximum number of strains covered so far. So those are also now available in India. And even if you've had, suppose, infection with one strain of HPV, you would still be protected against the eight others. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's still worthwhile to explore that. But in terms of the efficacy, definitely it reduces as a woman is sexually active and ages like that. Right. Apart from reduced efficacy, are there any risk factors that go up if you take it later in life? No, no risk. It's a pretty safe vaccine. Okay. But, you know, at that age, it is much better to kind of concentrate on a regular PAPs and HPV testing than putting too much energy on vaccines. Right, because, um, you know, the age group of 9 to 14, it's really the parents who have to take that yeah, call yeah. and to give yeah, the vaccine, yeah. right? So, so even if a woman is in her 20s, not sexually active or just becomes sexually active, even in 30s, depending upon your individual case, that mm-hmm. call can be taken. Right. And lastly, I mean, what happens once you are diagnosed with um, cervical cancer? What should be your, you know... Um, approach next, towards yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> appro- approach and also what can really be done... Um, yeah. 
So very early cervical cancers are the ones that are treated surgically. So I'm a surgeon talking about what cases come to me, far and few. Maximum cases go to our radiation colleagues. So cervical cancer, most of them, like if I was to give a percentage, 60, 70% are advanced when they come. And we send them off to our radiation colleagues, which do a, who do a very good job at treating cervical cancer. The success rates and the cure rates depend upon the you know histology and the stage at which the patient presents. But yes, we do have a gamut of things available, including uh, you know radiation, chemotherapy, and even for advanced ones, sometimes we do surgery, the excentrative procedures that are there. And then even in metastatic settings, we have now role of immunotherapy and targeted medications that are there. So yeah, we are evolving and improving as far as the treatment is concerned. Right. But still a gamut of options available. We cannot have that, you know, pigeons mentality anymore. We need to get out of it right from the beginning. We can't shut our eyes to it. So start it from screening to begin right. with right. rather than taking it to treatment. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Modi. This was very enlightening. Thank you for uh, joining mm -hmm. us today. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ibai. And that was the episode of News and Views with Dr. Kanika Batra Modi. Follow us on Instagram at The Quint and tell us what you want us to talk about. And check out our website, thequint.com, for more groundbreaking reports and videos. This was Anushka, and I'll see you in the next one. News and Views is a Quint original podcast executive produced by Shelly Walia and Ritu Kapoor. This episode was hosted by Anushka Rajesh, produced by Prateek Lidhu and edited by Anjali Palod. It uses music from BMG Production Music. And also a special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Kanika Batra Modi. You were listening to The Quint's podcast. 